Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi everybody, welcome to what is effectively the final episode, more or less, of this season of Wild Wild Podcast and I'm very pleased to welcome back my co-host Rod Barnett. Hello Rod. Hey Adrian, how are you doing buddy? Well, I'm good. I've not been podcasting as much this weekend as you have by the sound of things, so uh, if you feel your voice is just finally can't take it anymore, just let me know and I'll try and fill in for you uh, I'm, I'm i'm good uh no i i, I have been uh, I, it, I have been a busy audio beaver this weekend recording a commentary yeah. track and recording a, a podcast and an interview it's it's been a busy weekend it's true yeah you've got some good stuff in the pipeline is there anything that you want to plug um just i honestly probably just the the bloody pit podcast where um the uh, we just we we have the candy snatchers episode up right now, which I think is a pretty darn good one. And then uh, the one that'll come out after that uh, will be focused on uh, boogie nights, which you know we don't often cover films that actually involve people who win uh, you know Academy Awards, but you know <laughs> when we do, we uh, we definitely make sure it involves people being naked. So mm. that's the trade off. <laughs> Yes. Well, it's it's it, I, I wouldn't call it a rule of thumb, but it is, uh, you know, it is kind of something we want to uh, we want to include as a, a strong possibility. You know, it's like 75 percent there. If there's new mm. if there's nudity, we're good. And the, the candy snatchers, there's got some uh, similarities with uh, with our film today, I think. In in a, the, yeah. In a strange way. That's true. Yeah, there are connections. Um, great. Yeah. No, you're, you're always busy. I'm always impressed with your, um, your audio output. It's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. And I'm sure since the last episode we did of this, you had another commentary track announced or did I, did I dream that? I don't know. What's your uh, most I... recent one that's come out? No, no, no new, no new uh, information about uh, about okay. anything that I didn't already know about. Thank goodness, because oh, okay. uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I, I have enough on my plate at the moment. Give me, give me about a month, and I'll be more than willing to have new jobs drop into my lap. But yeah, mm, no, that's very cool. Um, we uh, we just before we started recording, we were talking about disappointing film experiences of. Uh, <laughs> recent times um and i just watched over the weekend the film spookies which um there were sort of there were particular reasons why i watched it but um it's yeah it's i don't know have you ever seen spookies that's quite an interesting no no i have film. not seen that film i i'm i'm well aware of it and i have been tempted yeah. to check it out but i haven't yet now, I, I know that there's an interesting story behind the production, but as I haven't watched the documentary yet, I don't know what that is. But it feels like they lost the script after the second day of shooting. <laughs> oh, no. Just, just, just carried on regardless. Either that or they were making two different films at the same time 
and both of them only ended up at about 45 minutes each so they just stuck them together that's another possibility oh wow um, you're, you're you're enticing me to see this thing now i mean plot wise yeah but the it's what's fun is the the practical effects it's a it's a real sort of special effects low budget special effects movie that it's it's all about the effects the plot don't try and follow it at all because you won't be able to but the effects are great so yeah it was quite <laughs> quite entertaining from from that point of view but it's like many of these sort of lower budget end of things you find yourself kind of trying to qualify what you're watching by thinking about well they had a very low budget they didn't have very yeah. much time i don't know they lost all the soundtrack in a <laughs> fire i don't know like you're trying that... to think well they did well considering what they had and, and if you can go with that then it, it's kind of all right well i mean you and i have talked about this before even uh, th there's something entertaining in a in a strange way about a film that you you admit is you know sometimes isn't very good but the the thing about uh, low budget filmmaking uh, especially genre filmmaking when you're talking about horror monster movies something like that uh, i think there's something that can be gleaned from it if you're of the the, the bizarre mindset of someone like you and i real you know real film nuts mm -hmm. where i my my for instance on that is just last night i finally watched the uh, the John Russo horror film that was shot in uh, 1980 somewhere in the wilds of Pittsburgh, uh, it didn't get released until 1982 because it is you know it is very much a a slasher film, but uh, the it's, it's not very good. I've not, I've yet to run across a, a, a John Russo written and directed film that uh, has is 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 any patch on anything that uh, his his cohort George Romero was able to make. I mean, I, I honestly the I think the the problem is almost always uh, the the direction. It's you know when you Russo is not a great director by any stretch of the imagination. Even when he has really interesting ideas and plot lines, they kind of get submarined by. Uh, I'll just I'll just call it a, a clumsiness. But what I found incredibly entertaining while watching this film is called Midnight. Is that um, this because it's almost completely shot on real locations and real places, there's this fascinating look at what all this stuff looked like in 1980. And so it's almost this beautiful time capsule of, yeah. you know, what the inside of a roadside convenience store looked like, what, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, these, these houses look like, you know, of, di of different types. And it's like, there's only, you know, like one or two decent actors in the entire piece. I mean, everybody else is, you know, one level of barely competent or another. But I mean, there are a couple of good actors in the movie, including uh, a really interesting, uh, uh, nuanced and strange performance from Lawrence Tierney, who's, who's, who's pretty damn good in it, actually. Uh, but the, uh, and, and John Amplis is in it, and he's not really required to do anything other than just be a scumbag. Uh, but the, uh, the, the film I still found really interesting to watch, even while I'm going, wow, this this thing kind of sucks. <laughs> I think we've probably finished talking about those films now. Yeah, that, that, Sorry, definitely. We can we can move on we, to the, we, the task. We can move on. So uh, we are now we've reached the tenth film of our series, and uh, we are going today to talk about Magnum Cop. <laughs> for this film yeah you feel like we, we should be kicking in here with some <laughs> well not just that because the, the character isn't a cop in the movie it's no it's the wrong well title. that's before we even get there okay so magnum cop um magnum cop the original <laughs> title 
is Poliziotto Senso Paura. Uh, sorry, let me say that again. Poliziotto Senza Paura, which the direct translation is Policeman Without Fear, yeah. Cop Without Fear. So the film has been known under various titles. In the, the most obvious one is Fearless. So it's been called Fearless on, um, on video in America. In, in Sweden and Canada, it's known as Fearless Fuzz. Which when and that's the credit that that's the title that came up on the print that I watched. Oh, okay. Um, it came up as Fearless Fuzz, and it was on a, a freeze frame of Maurizio Merli put firing his gun, uh, <laughs> which I think is the only time he fires his gun in the whole film is right there just before the credits. Yeah, that and opening it, sequence is the only time yeah. where he's even holding a gun. It's bizarre. And it says Fearless Fuzz, and I just automatically assumed it was talking about his blonde mustache. <laughs> But um, <laughs> well, he does have an epic '70s porn stash. It's yeah, true. he does. Yeah. So, um, but in America, it appears to have been released on uh, as Magnum Cop, which is where the title comes from. Presumably to try and cash in on something to do with Dirty Harry. I don't really know because, oh, like well, you said, he's yeah, not a, one of the Dirty Harry sequels was called Magnum Force. Yeah, but he's not a cop, and he doesn't use a Magnum. Nope. So I don't know what kind. I mean, I'm not a gun person, but that's not a Magnum. I know that much. Nope, um, nope. That is just a a regular revolver. A I'm not sure what caliber it yeah. is. I'm not. Uh, I can't spot a gun and tell you, you know, down to the serial number what the damn thing is. But uh, yeah, yeah. No. Fearless fuzz made me laugh a lot when that came upon the screen. The um, <laughs> as far as I can tell, this was released on. So it was released on video in America, apparently under the title Fearless. But then it was released on DVD by Alpha Video. I think basically just using a VHS print in classic alpha style. Um, but yeah. they, they put that out. They put it out on video under the title Magnum Cop, but used a print that had Fearless Fuzz on it, which I guess comes from Canada, because that, apparently that's what it was called in Canada. Also, according to the IMDb, um, there is a version of this film released with Joan Collins on the cover called Fatal Charm. Well, I mean, that's... That's actually not. Which, that's not that's, a bad that's a title, title for the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so this film is. It came hot on the heels of Stelvio Massi's previous film, um, the uh, which was another Plitzitesky film he did called. Oh no, which one was it? Oh, was it? Was. Uh, was it Convoy Busters? Yeah, one of those or. Um, what am I thinking of? Highway Racer, I think, is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah. well, the thing is, he made so many. And watching yeah. this, I, I, I looked over his list of credits, and I don't know how many of his films you've seen, but I realized that I've only seen two or three. And looking at the credits and reading about the various films, I suddenly realized that this guy is an untapped mine of this stuff from the 70s that I just had yeah. not paid enough attention to. I think I've seen Highway Racer. I'm pretty sure that is on the... Um, arrow box set but i might be wrong i think i have seen that one i have not Is seen that, that one yet uh i definitely have strong memories of emergency squad uh, be, uh main, I, I mainly because uh it it, star, it stars one of our our previous under the spotlight actors here um our 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 friend from um our friend our friend from freehand for a tough cop mm. Are you, are you, you're you're talking about Thomas Millian. Yeah, Thomas Millian. I can't believe I'm I'm completely blanking there. But Emergency yeah. Squad, I have strong memories yeah. of because it's one of those movies where uh, what you end up never being able to forget is some of the action sequences in it, especially some of the the, the stunt driving. Uh, there's some great stuff in there, and it's also the film in which I it was one of like only the first five or six. Uh, Thomas Millian performances I ever saw, and it and it's like he definitely did not want to be there. <laughs> He's he's giving it mm -hmm. he's giving it that uh, Bruce Willis in the past decade kind of performance, and it's really mm. weird. I think I've seen this one. It's got Ray Lovelock in it, and the bad guy is called Marseille. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, yeah, it's... it and yeah, it shares an actor with this one. film, Gaston Mouchine, who uh, we've yeah. seen uh, in 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 uh, Fernando Leo films, of course, but. Um, it's a I when looking at this particular director's long list of credits, it's like, man, you know, 
If, yeah, it was just, if I could just start pushing buttons and watching these things, I'd do it immediately. He did uh, He did one of the Mark films, Mark Shoots Fire. I think there are a few films about the character of Mark, I believe. He also did things like, uh, yeah, like 44, oh, come on. 44 Specialist in specialist. the last round. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. But so, yeah, so Highway Race, I think I saw that one. And then he went and did this one um, straight after again with Maurizio Merli who was in the previous one as well. But mm -hmm. um, have we done a Maurizio Merli film before this one? We've seen no, we, before, we, have, right? we have definitely not. And there have been... Uh, no, I that's, I can't, see, because we've now got to number 10, I'm getting mixed up with which ones I've, we've talked about on the podcast and which ones I've just seen. I know I've definitely watched him in other Poliziotesky films. Well, what's crazy is that uh, there's even like a, a kind of giallo that he did called uh, it, uh, five, five Women for the Assassin uh, for, in 74 mm. that looks very interesting as well. It's like, man, it's not just the cop films that I'm, I'm curious about this guy's output with. But the thing is, is that he was apparently, I mean, he directed, you know, like 32 films. Okay, great. But he was apparently much more in demand as a cinematographer. And uh, Oh, sorry. Are we still talking about the Stelvio Messi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I was I was already thinking about Maurizio Merli. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Merli. Um, what, what's your what's your history with Mauricio Merli? Uh, because well, I know I've seen the Cynic, the Rat, and the Fist. So okay, I, yes. I forgot that we haven't we haven't done that on the podcast. I don't think I've ever seen the Tough Ones, which I know I would like to. Fairly sure I've seen Highway Racer, uh, maybe Violent Rome. Oh, I don't know. He did do a couple of the uh, sexy films, like Sexy Sinners, which I think was a, that would have, yeah, that's one of the films that we could have done in our Decameron series. So he did do that kind of thing as well. Mm -hmm. um, although I, I don't think that one was easy to find. He is in the film Phenomenal and the Treasure of Tutankhamun by Ruggiero Deodato, which we are going to watch possibly in our next season. So... <laughs> Okay. We'll, we'll get okay. to see. We'll get that one. Um, but yeah, I, the so probably just a handful, I guess, is what I'm saying. I know uh, his film Cover Action recently came out on Blu-ray. I think as is the the Convoy Busters has just been announced on Blu-ray as well. So yeah, from uh, from Cauldron. Films. Yeah, yeah, more of I'm his a, films coming. I'm a bit of. A, I mean, don't get me, don't get me wrong. When you think of this particular actor it's hard to not picture him you know in a trench coat with a gun pointed at some criminal scumbag but i have to admit that uh one of my favorites of his is a very late in the cycle spaghetti western called a man called blade uh, mm. manana have you ever seen that one it's only been released on dvd i'm not aware of a blu-ray no i don't know that it's a sergio martino isn't it mm -hmm. it's 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 a really interesting movie and it's it's one that i think uh uh has has, has got a lot going for it it's uh, i i i I keep waiting for that one to be reissued on on Blu-ray, and uh, mm -hmm. it hasn't happened as far as I know. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm a, maybe I'm out of touch on that one. I can't. I, maybe it's been released and I'm not aware. But man, that's that's one that I I have very positive memories of. Yeah, he. Um, if you look at his credits, he tends to be called Commissario or Inspector. Like he just most of the seventies, he's some yep. kind of cop, which which makes this film like a bit of a standout in that he's not a cop but they're still selling it as a as a cop film well it's it's that classic thing where the character the, the actor has been so identified with a certain type of role that he's become mm -hmm. typecast and they don't really in this film want to change what the actor does on screen but they want to change up the 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 reasons the underlying reasons for why he's doing what he's doing so they make him an ex-cop who's now a private investigator and uh, i have to say that not having you know watched recently anyway several you know several of his cop films i'm not walking in the door watching this film and thinking to myself, oh, this is neat. They're kind of playing with, they're pl kind of playing around with things. I'm just kind of enjoying what they've got on tap here for this film because it's really fun. It's very clear what they're trying to do. They're setting him up as a kind of, um, a kind of Sam Spade or Philip Marlowe character. Yes. Um, well, even his character's name mm -hmm. deliberately is what's he called? Um, Spader, Spada, Wally Spada. Yeah, wa wa so Walter Spada. Deliberately giving him the Spade him, yeah. name. Exactly, and it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, well, cool. That that is, that is kind of neat, and also, 
they're leaning this is definitely not something that they were doing with him in other films but it is just a change in tone as opposed to circumstance which is the idea of the the amount of humor uh oh, my goodness. That, that, that's in the yes. film and it's not it, stupid uh, humor. It's it, not slapstick. It is very much <laughs> built out of the characters. But I would argue quite inappropriate, given the plot of this film. Sometimes it is, and sometimes <laughs> it isn't. I mean, I, my re- my review of this film that oh, I wrote cool, after cool. I watched it on Letterboxd was basically uh, an intriguing mix of light comedy and child prostitution. <laughs> And I'll grant you, now that you've dropped the bomb on the fact that it involves child prostitution, <laughs> all, at least all of that stuff is serious. The At least all yes. of that, they, the, the film treats the subject matter at hand with, with it's, seriousness. It's like, again, but, it's, it's almost like it's two films, because you've got like all yeah. those bits, and then you've got the whack a whack a whack a whack bits <laughs> in between, where it's all like, hey, hey, oh dear, it's pretty funny. Should we well, before I, we get into the plot, let's also talk about Joan Collins, and then we'll come oh, back yeah. to the story. But I want to mention because I basically picked this film never having seen it before. Obviously, because of Messi and uh, Murley, I knew we were probably going to be all right. But the main reason I picked this one was because Joan Collins was in it, and Joan Collins. She's about forty-five when she made this film, mm-hmm. which, when you think about what she does in it, is quite impressive. Um, she had already had a career going for more than 20 years when she made this film True. and I I last year I did uh, I had to write an essay for the Blu-ray of I Don't Want to Be Born also known as The Monster and I also ended up doing the commentary track on that with my friend uh, Laura and so I'd done quite a lot of research into Joan Collins at the time and looking at particularly I wrote my essay about her 70s career that kind of 70s horror career because she she did she was she was a big deal in the 60s but then into the 70s i think she was already starting to be thought of as too old basically because yeah. this sort of terrible misogynist attitude within the film industry she was too old to be a leading woman she started to sort of go into character parts and she ended up doing quite a lot of horror films obviously things like tales that witness madness uh, the classic tales from the crypt uh all that sort of stuff and then obviously this one i don't want to be born um and then I find it really interesting that she kind of popped over to Italy or I guess uh, Austria to do this movie in between things like Empire of the Ants and appearing on Starsky and Hutch. Oh, and uh, in Space 1999 and L.A. Yeah, Queen. Yeah, all that she sort of stuff. Yeah, she was doing all kinds of stuff. Policewoman. I mean, luckily, her career was really revived by The Stud, which came out the same year as this, uh, based on the novel written by her sister. And that really kind of reinvented Joan Collins and launched her. And then that was the sequel to that was The Bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was kind of reinvented as this revengeful, strong, sexually confident middle-aged woman who then, of course, that character was channeled into Dynasty for goodness knows how many years. Oh, God, I think um, at least nine. Yeah. yeah. When, so, so this film came just before that. But you can see her character in this film film is sort of on that spectrum if you like yeah um, and the amazing thing is is she's got stuff in post-production as we speak she's still working yeah. oh yeah she's unstoppable i uh, you can follow her on instagram she's a quite a, she's always posting on instagram <laughs> well i'm I, yeah, I was kind of amazed i was looking cool. at I was looking at her just the, if you just look at the past five years I mean she was in uh, American Horror Story she was in yeah. uh, Hawaii Five O uh, she's done uh, a couple of a couple of films and like I say she's got mm-hmm. at least three things that just haven't even come out yet because they're in post production it's bizarre yeah and she's going to be ninety next year mm-hmm. so yeah she's a remarkable woman she's been around for a long time and done so many great films. Hey, more power to her, man. She's a she's yeah. a cinematic force of nature. Yeah. So it was interesting to to see her in this one, um, which is yeah. So that was the like my my reasoning for for choosing this movie. But um, yeah, it turned out to not quite be the film I was expecting. I suppose um, I didn't know anything about the plot going in. Neither of us had seen this film before we decided to cover it. What were mm. what were your expectations? What were you looking for? Well, I was just thinking of it being more of a straight cop 
the red light, particularly because the open the pre-credit sequence is him mm -hmm. taking photos of two women or a woman and a girl and then suddenly they get attacked by kidnappers obviously italy 1970s kidnapping pretty common occurrence and he just whips out his gun and shoots them so i assumed at that point that he was an undercover cop right. and that he would be going on the rampage to uncover this kidnapping ring or whatever but that just seems to actually be a james bond inspired pre-credit sequence that has actually no real connection to the plot of the film it just sort of establishes his character because uh, we then find out very quickly that he's a, actually a private detective mm -hmm. uh, who, who incidentally isn't supposed to just go around shooting people. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he has read the riot act in his office by, uh, by his former colleagues on the police force. Yeah. Yeah. So he's an ex cop. So they should really call this film Magnum X cop. <laughs> or X, X, X Magnum cop or something. Else. Yeah. What were you expecting? I'll be honest, I was just expecting a fairly straightforward, you know, standard thing that I've seen from him before in these kinds of roles where I thought he was going to be, you know, a police officer, you know, dealing with some kind of specific crime and then going from there. And the fact that he's a private investigator was uh, a, a little bit of a surprise. But the yeah. uh, the self-deprecating humor that's often directed at various characters in the movie, especially him, where he's, you know, as the movie goes on. He's uh, somehow been uh, been able to uh, be be uh, thought of by a, an Austrian detective agency as much more important and um, uh, a, a much more important uh, detective uh, with an agency that uh, is uh, yeah. larger and more yeah, influential than it actually really is. Funny. And see, that's what I mean is that that the humor of that flows out of that. Is the is the the humor yeah. in the movie that I think really works effectively, because he's having to he he's wanting to maintain the illusion that he actually does have a rather large firm, and so he's you know he's essentially lying to the the guy who is in charge yeah. of the Austrian <laughs> firm uh, all along the way and occasionally screwing up the details that you know someone with a very large and sprawling firm would, yeah. would not get wrong, but at the same and that time, friend, oh yeah. sorry, go on. No, no, no. It's just I, I, that that is the stuff that's humorous in this film that I think works very well. Yeah. Well, his um, the friend in question is uh, the sort of Austrian counterpart in the uh, private detective world is played by Gaston Moschin, who, of course, we mm -hmm. remember as Ugo in Milan Caliber 9. But he looks completely different here. I and know. I think and it's just facial hair that does it. It's yeah. weird. But he was a comedy actor. He was primarily known for comedy before he did Milan Caliber 9. And that film kind of reinvented him as a sort of moody hero, action star, whatever. Um, but here he's back back straight into comedy mode. Hilarious faces. The, the, the freeze frame at the end of this movie should just be accompanied... Yes. With, just needs to be accompanied with a comedy horn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like... It's just like total... 70s Italian comedy, um, which again, it just and it is you know, that that final scene, that final scene, yeah. the humor works incredibly well there because it's it does. Built out of, it, it's built but, perfectly out of the entire what, the entire the facade. Previous, yeah, but what's just happened in the previous scene does not warrant a big. But, no, yeah. no, which is why it would not have been appropriate there. But I, I think that the, no, the movie smartly gives enough space to, you know, you, we get the, you know, we get the uh, the entire unraveling of the, the horrible events that have occurred. And yes. then we get that. Thank goodness. It's kind of a neat little humorous <laughs> coda to, to make everybody yeah. go, well, you know, yeah, it was about horrible stuff, but at least we don't but, have to feel hey. awful about it. So, Yeah, it's funny. Um, should we talk about the story? We've teased people mm. enough with with this weird tonal shift all the way through the movie. So, um, right. yeah, so we've got our private eye, Wally Spada, or Spader. Just called, let's just call him Wally. And he's Wally running Spider. this sort of, he's, he's your typical uh, kind of gumshoe, I suppose we'd say, hard-up detective, make, trying to make ends meet. He's got one assistant. They work out of this crummy office. Um, and he's an ex-cop, so I guess he prefers being his own boss, but he'd earn a lot more money, I think, if he went back to the police force. In fact, he does get offered, doesn't he get offered a job to go back? But he says he'll do it, but only if he gets twice the salary or something. 
So yeah, maybe he yeah, yeah. In, want... other, in other words, he he really doesn't have any interest in going back. He yeah. likes the freedom that um, working for himself offers, I suppose. But they they're constantly on the brink of bankruptcy. They can't pay their bills. All this kind of stuff. There's a funny scene where he goes to a restaurant with his uh, assistant, and the, the the restaurant owner complains that they basically never buy a full meal. Um, they only ever buy just a little bit of uh, just a little snack basically because they've never got any money they, they, they buy uh, like one entree and they share it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then they're opening their post and it's all bills 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 until one letter is from Austria and uh, I don't know where it's from his friend who's this guy we just mentioned uh, Carl his counterpart in Austria um, offering him I think it's 2000 Lira, I can't remember. Well, I'm they, quite confused because it was an English it in, dub. They say it in dollars. It's like it's yeah, actually it's, like, like a, two, a thousand or two thousand dollars, and it's one of those things that's it's a large enough amount of money for them to really go bug-eyed over it. Yeah. So, so um, this means he can afford some food, but um, he's been <laughs> asked to track down the daughter of a wealthy Austrian uh, banker who is somewhere in Rome, um, called Annalise. And so he's asked, he's tasked with going to find her. The only lead that he's got is a photo of her with another guy. It's a, it's a, like a sexy photo. And he goes to his contact in the police and discovers that this guy is a local pimp. So we're already, we're into the sleazy end of the policia test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're, they're business. touching lightly on it at first, but then it goes on, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he tracks this guy down um, and threatens to beat him up. He, the guy, assume, he's like hanging out where all the prostitutes are in the uh, San Lorenzo district of Rome, which I think is where I stayed, actually, when I was there. I think I stayed in that place, San Lorenzo. It's a bit grim. Uh, so he's hanging around there and waiting for this pimp to turn up. And he's like, hey, you've been sitting here for an hour. You know, choose somebody or go home, I think he basically says. And mm-hmm. um, so Wally makes out that he wants to to pay for this guy, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll show you a good time." Uh, but then he just basically starts slapping him around to uh, <laughs> until he confesses where this girl is. But then he also lets slip that he's not the first person to be asking about her. Right. So we know that someone else is now looking for her. But of course, this being the hero, he finds her first. It turns out that she's become a Hari Krishna. And we get this sort of extended Hare Krishna scene. Um, what do you think? When, whenever we get Hare Krishnas in movies, I automatically go to Airplane. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah, that, that, that's a good cinematic touchstone for that particular type of character. That's true. <laughs> I have to admit, the um, uh, it, it's always weird because I grew up thinking that surely, I mean, because I'm, I'm a youngster when I'm introduced to the idea of, you know, this, this group of people, the Hare Krishnas, but because I'm young, they kind of seem to me as if they're like the furthest out on a limb of crazy as far as this kind of thing is concerned because, you know, shave their head and, you know, dress, dress him to what to me as a young lad looked like a toga. But the, 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 the restraint with which they play this up here is, is kind of amazing because at the time, you know, it was things like airplane where if you introduce a character who's a a Hare Krishna, then immediately it's going to be pointed up for laughs. And here it's much more along the lines of, we're just dealing with something weird here. And this is just, you know, it's almost as if it's just a different visual look within something Mm. else in the film. And, um, it's, I I will say this, it does, uh, it is the first inkling we have in the movie of the main character Wally being anything more than just somebody who can blow people away with a gun. He actually does follow a trail of clues to get to this yeah. place. And, and and so it's like, okay, that's our first indicator that this guy can actually do this job. So that's that's yeah. the the function it serves within the, within the the story. That's 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 well done. So he manages to get to Annalise first and um then he takes she passes out uh, as basically as soon as he tries to talk to her and he takes her back to his apartment now what do we want to say about his apartment i was really wishing that this was on blu-ray and i could zoom in a bit on the frame because his apartment is full of really cool detective movie posters Mm -hmm. i think i spotted one for bullet 
Uh, did you recognize any oh, of the I posters? Didn't, in I, did, I didn't think to write any of them down. That stinks. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there, honestly, they're absolutely absolutely gorgeous for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's really and I cool. even I even like the weird layout. The, I like the layout, the kind of shotgun layout of the place where it's just kind of a straight yeah. line from here to here to here, which is, of course, how you would build a set if you wanted to, yeah. to, to make it as easy as possible to shoot within it. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, loads of cool posters already. And he does actually talk to Annalise about He's like, oh, I've seen this movie. I've seen all the movies. You know, when she's trying to, uh, she's trying to seduce him to let her go, because he's basically tells her that she's got to go back to her dad. She doesn't want to. He tells her she does, so she takes all her clothes off, and he's still like, no, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. So he appears to be a detective with some kind of moral code. Yeah, and that's where they establish that here, which is that this is not some guy who's going to take advantage of a woman just because. He, you know, he can get away with it. This, you know, he yeah. does seem to have some kind of moral underpinning to his character, which is not what you would expect from a film of this type in general. Yeah, but then she fakes having a fit, and she's holding a note that's, that I think means that she probably does actually have these fits for real, mm-hmm. because then she's got a note already that says, you know, if I am having a fit, please give me this particular medication, which of course she doesn't have on her. Which would seem it's a bit of an oversight. I would um, say if you if you're liable to fits, so he has to leg it to the chemist, which of course she's faking it this time, and she runs away uh, whilst he's out, um, and then she immediately gets picked up by the other people who are looking for her because they were also at the Harry Krishna party, but um, he you know Wally got there first, so uh, they pick her up and speed off, and Wally has to. He then embarks on a bit of a car chase. If I'm right, am I remembering this right? And he's got the strangest car. <laughs> yes, it's this green jeep-like thing. It, yeah, it's 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 yeah. It, it's a, it, it's a, that specific shade of green, so that they can have an, another little visual joke later on when he when, when he yeah. when he get when he when he's dealing with his Austrian counterpart and the guy's uh, very expensive sports car is the same shade of green. Yeah. <laughs> So he, Wally's like driving all over these fields to try and cut them off as they're taking the roads through the countryside, but uh, he gets stuck in a flock of sheep. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that's it. She's gone. Um, so that's pretty much, as far as I remember, that basically ends the portion of the film that is in Italy because then he goes to Austria cause, to try and figure out what's going on. He thinks he knows who's kidnapped her, so he heads off to see his friend in Austria. One thing I wanted to mention, I've only written one note for this film, which we haven't talked about yet, mm-hmm. which is dungarees. Oh. Oh. Do we want to talk about Wally's dungarees? Well, I mean... <laughs> He's not dressed in a typical Poliziotesky film star <laughs> well, I, I I agree with you, uh, but except for one section. clothing item. One clothing item definitely is exactly what he wears in a lot of his cop, a lot of his straighter cop movies, which is the uh, the the trench coat. Yes, but but other than that, yes. Oh, and as an aside, really quick, man, is it ever clear that they shot this during the colder months of the year? Holy crap! Uh, Everybody's wearing a coat or a sweater or something like this, even yeah. indoors at times. It's one of those, one of those times yeah. where you're just like, okay, we're, we're, we, we definitely know what's yeah. going on here. There were a few times when you could see people's breath, and it, was, it wasn't distracting, but it was just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, they're shooting this early in the morning, I think. <laughs> but the clothing. Yeah. The, uh, the dungarees, yeah. They made me think, again, like, and again, the, the sort of slightly comedy tone. And yes. The, the almost comedy clothes made me feel like maybe they wrote this part for Thomas Miliana first I feel oh. like he would have been better suited to to that kind of comedy role oh, I don't know um, maybe I think I think I Murray Murray just doesn't seem like a comedian no but I think that the way they've they, the way they've set this up well I, I he's he's I would never have thought of him for this just because of the movies I've seen him in before this yeah. But I do. Ha- I I would say that I think that he's very good at um, at dealing with, especially like I say in those scenes where he's dealing with the uh, 
with with Carl with his Austrian counterpart, I think that he's really good at actually getting across the humorous bits. Those are well played, so he's better than I would have thought. Yeah, I guess I'm mainly thinking of the dungarees and just picturing Thomas Millian well, in that kind of yeah, the ba- baggy baggy costume. pants and <laughs> yeah. maybe clown <laughs> shoes or flip flops only or just yeah. Dungarees just it just feels like children's TV presenter, circa nineteen seventy four. Very it, very true. It's yeah. kind of an odd choice, but my, my reference over here would be Captain Kangaroo, but I don't think that works for you. All right, okay. Not not Bozo the Clown necessarily, but no. So he heads to Austria and meets up with Carl, who is in this super computer controlled uh, detective agency with the, the kind of technology that we last saw in Savage Three. Yeah, where they use a lot, they use lots of computing to to analyze data and uh, and generate leads. And Wally, like you said, he's pretending, oh yeah, I've got all this stuff. I've I've got the the more recent model, and you know he's really having keeping Carl believing that Wally is a much more affluent and important detective than he really is, and all that stuff's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But they um, they get summoned to go and see this banker, the one whose daughter has gone. And he claims that his daughter has been returned. Everything is fine. Sorry for your trouble. Here's some more money. Yeah. And that's basically the end. Of, that's the end of the line. But just as they are leaving and Wally's going to go back to the airport, Wally is trying to hit on Carl's secretary here, by the way. Yeah. Um, Understandably so. And um, Carl has this, uh, this, this woman who keeps hanging around his office who's 14-year-old. Actually, I think she's... Was she 40? Yeah, she's 14. Mm-hmm. 14 year old daughter was killed in a car crash or she was hit by a car. But she believes that she, her daughter was murdered, that nobody will listen. Uh, she keeps coming to beg Carl for help. Carl's really just putting her off because he's not really interested. Because he, firmly, um, so because he really believes agrees. that it's an accident, that, that you know, there's nothing yeah, going on. Yeah, because he believes the, pathology, the pathologist reports and all that. But Wally, we know Wally, he's a nice guy. So he listens to this woman and he goes back to her house and he starts talking to her friends and he starts to think maybe there's something here. Maybe yeah, this is, I would, I would just say that uh, one, of the, one of the moments in the movie, there's several moments in the movie where you, we, we see just how good a person Walter or Wally is and it is one of these where he at first he he says I'll I'll, I'll go listen to her you know I'll, I'll, I'll listen to her I'll, I'll learn what she has to say because I have a few hours before my plane's supposed to leave anyway let, I'll go do this and then he starts listening to yeah. her and getting curious about it and you see his you really see the, the 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 kind nature of his personality start to come out here and I think that's great because it plays so heavily in the rest of the story yeah so I don't I don't want to because this is a film that many people may not have seen. It's not a hugely well-known one, and it's not that easily available. Yeah. So I don't want to give away much more, except to say that he does begin to uncover a conspiracy mm-hmm. that is about it is basically about ch- uh, child prostitution and teenage prostitution. Um, he meets a thirteen-year-old girl who was a friend of the girl that died, right. although she denies even being friends with this girl at first. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, first. So this is Renata, and she's only thirteen, I believe, which is quite. And that little actress is very. She's very good in this role. She's I was very shocked good. to to see that she's she did not good. have. Yeah. A, I guess she did not want to be a, a, a any kind of a filmmaker, or actor, or any anything like that because she had a very short career. She only was in three or four things, and that's that's kind of sad because she's quite good in this. Although, according to uh, the IMDb, she is in Paganini Horror. I think she's one of the girls she's one of the women in the band in Paganini oh, Horror. really holy crap okay cool yeah yeah Jasmine Jasmine Mayone Mayone yeah yeah she's in Paganini Horror and the Black Cat so she must have been and she's in Demons hey there you go so she did she did a few things but she um, yeah just for about 10 years uh-huh. I guess but yeah who knows but yeah anyway so yeah, she's very good. This was her first film. She's quite young. Um, it's so so. What basically this is what I meant about this sort of weird. It's weird how this film tries to play quite a lot of it for yeah. comedy because suddenly we're in we're into what have they done to your daughter's territory here, and that is not necessarily the right place to try and make a film funny. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but. You know, this does feel like it's a sort of it's another film in that cycle. Obviously, we had 
What have they done to your daughters? What have they done to Solange? Uh, what's it called? Ring of Fear? Is that the other one in that trilogy? Well, I'm just I'm thinking also of like Blue Blue Movie Blackmail, where you know we get a little close to the line on the underage stuff there. So yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, how many films have we done that involved a child prostitution racket? I feel like it's it's a, it seems to be a common thread in these films. There's also obviously um, Suspicious Death of a Minor. I think that is a sort of similar yeah, very thing much so. as well. It so it makes you wonder how much of this because the Polizetesky films in general were sort of ripped from the headlines mm-hmm. type film so it makes you wonder how often teenage prostitution rackets were being exposed in the news that they kept returning to it well i'm loath to i'm loath to say um you know following a trend but i mean that is one of the, that is a part of of cinema and if you have some well, you know some well-regarded films that make a lot of money True. that have that as uh, the the underlying you know the underlying plot engine then that's something that's probably going to be returned to repeatedly but yeah. i do wonder how um how common I, I i hate to say it but i i i fear that it probably is more common than i would like to think it is as yeah. a, a kind of part, part of the underbelly of of criminal society but uh, it is interesting that that is such a reoccurring, uh, not necessarily theme, but a reoccurring little plot element, even in films that where where it's not the the total focus. Um, mm-hmm. The it's it the unpleasant nature of it is. I can see easily someone arguing that if you're going to have that as the, I mean we're 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 kind of having that debate here. It's like how good an idea was it to have the driving force of the the criminal enterprise that this movie uh this movie detective under un, uncovers be something so horrible as yeah. a, a child prostitution ring where you know we're we're, talk, we're talking about something that's one of the worst most hideous things that one can imagine yeah. uh doing to another human being but at the same time so, so so in other words the argument could be we've got to treat this seriously because this is a dark and, and deadly thing and it's 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 awful in every aspect and that's what you would get with something like what have they done to your daughters uh, you know that that's that's part that's a big part of that yeah. but then i can see years later where we're we're talking years later this came out in 78 where it's it's we treat that part of the plot with deadly seriousness, but we have to find a way to leaven it just a little bit yeah. or, because what we're not looking for is something as dark and grim as those earlier movies. And mm. uh, it, it's, it's a fine, it's a tight, it's, it's a tight wire act. You've got to be yeah. very careful about tone and you've got to, you know, and I think this movie for the most part walks that tightrope effectively because the humorous bits are placed strictly within the, uh, the, the the character pieces dealing with the uh the the main character and the fiction that he's maintaining about his own successful abilities as uh you know an entrepreneur to a degree and so i think that's good that they they are there's a like i say there's an argument to be had about whether it's a good idea to try to have uh any kind of humor when dealing with a subject like this but i can also see how certain different creative people would go you know maybe it's best if we don't have everybody thinking that's great to look around for a razor blade to kill themselves after our film i don't mm-hmm. know yeah no that's fair enough like you said i think you're right there that it's, it's getting a bit later in the day it's been a few years mm-hmm. um since those other ones um but so so basically yeah so he uncovers that the, the something sinister is going on and he starts to identify people who may be involved um including right. some there's some gangsters who kind of chase him and beat him up he spends so much time in this movie yeah, getting, getting beat the up. snot beat out of him yeah. holy crap it's very it's very much you know the 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 humphrey bogart character in various you know private detective films of the 40s where you're just like damn how many times can he be punched <laughs> yeah it's like he almost like he does it on purpose because he knows it will get him information so he, he's kind yeah. of almost allows it to happen there's at least one sequence in this film where it feels that way yeah yeah so he he finds out that there's this guy called strauss who runs a nightclub who may be somehow involved in running this thing so he goes to strauss's nightclub and this is where we first are introduced to Joan Collins, who comes out and does a striptease act. Um, yeah. Which, you know, 45-year-old um, stripper 
in a club that's pretty good i think that's you know that's that's like age positive isn't it these well, days I mean, we, we would call she's it Joan that. collins so yeah. you know, if you're if you're that attractive okay I, yeah. I can see why someone would want you to do that job yeah yeah she's very good and clearly um didn't mind taking her clothes off in movies at, even at that age um although i mean it's, it's to a certain extent as well that's kind of what these films required and if you wanted the job then you would do that i guess I guess it's at the, I guess it's at this point that I have to say you know obviously this is a, a different time the yes. 70s were a different decade man absolutely and so Wally starts to make friends with her and gets in deeper into uncovering um, what's going on and I, I don't really want to say much more than that other than I think we've talked about this before how in Polizioteski films nobody is safe not yeah. even not even children and you just don't know you can't you can't assume anything is going to be okay. <laughs> there are at least two or three things that occur in the last act of this film that had me gasp. Ah, yeah, I was um, I was watching it with uh, my dear sweet Beth, and there is a very specific moment in the film where, and you know, we won't I won't reveal what it is, where she she out loud went, "Oh my god!" You know, I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I and you know, I I kind of jolted out up off off of the couch myself it's it's yeah there's it's it's effective filmmaking and it's 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 pretty darn well done and there's also there's a quite sort of distasteful moment at the end that i don't we won't reveal but yeah just again the sort of tonal tonally this film is all over the place um roberto curti kind of talks about it being a bit of a schizophrenic film and i think he's kind of right there he is but he is it's definitely interesting when you look at the poster for the film it looks much more like a traditional Poliziotesky movie, uh, you know, like the actual Italian poster. Maurizio Merli's got a gun to someone's head. There's there's shooting. There's car chases. There's motorbikes, and there is a bit of that in the film. There's some pretty cool um, sort of motorbike uh, race where he's on a bike following a lead, and this, the the bike they just clearly strapped the camera to the bike. They didn't close yeah. any roads. And they're just weaving in and out of traffic. So all that stuff is pretty cool and, and does make you feel, ah, yeah, here we are. We are in one of these films. Um, but yeah, I think you're right because this is quite late in the cycle. There, there's clearly an element of wanting to do something else as well rather than just sort of follow the, the template, I suppose. Well, I mean, everybody, everybody's eye, all the producer's eyes are always on how well did this film do versus the previous mm-hmm. one. And if you're starting to see the the formula become less profitable you're gonna try to find a way to juice it you know yeah yeah or bring in joan collins that, that's a good way <laughs> and of course at that time that would have been that would have been another yeah. uh, an additional i don't know how many days she worked on the film right. um but at the same time that's another way to to, to juice it to get uh you know an, a, a non-italian star at playing a central role in your story yeah. so not not a, not a surprise really there's a great line earlier in the film. It's when um, Wally is uh, talking to the girl who became a, who, who he had to rescue, who was a prostitute and then a uh, Harry Krishna. And she says, I tried to find out what was missing in my life through drugs. And he says, I chose apples. <laughs> yes. And that's a sort of indication of the sort of hilarious kind of comedy that is sprinkled in through the film. Also, apparently, I don't normally just read out trivia from the IMDb, but it says Sybil Danning was once attached, perhaps to be perhaps in the Joan Collins role, which would make sense because I believe yeah. Sybil Danning is Austrian, isn't she? Or um, she German? You know, I don't remember, but yeah, it's a strong possibility. Sybil Danning is uh, Austrian. Yeah, so maybe she was originally in line, but she couldn't do it, so maybe that's why they got Joan Collins. I could see Sybil Danning in this role, and she was certainly much closer to the age that you would expect a nightclub stripper to be uh, um, than Joan Collins. Joan Collins is 20 years older than Sybil Danning. So I can see how that casting would have perhaps fit a bit better, but it's not as much of a... Maybe they just wanted Joan Collins because her name would have been bigger on the poster. Sybil Danning was still not 
a big stall really well also i I have to say there's a i won't give it away but there's a turn that happens with the joan collins character that i don't think a younger actress could could, uh, credibly have been uh credibly have played not because of a, a lack of acting ability but because there's a certain maturity that has to be involved in doing what the character is doing later in the film that's true there's a very good line that she delivers when she's trying to sort of explain why she's doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I think you're right there. It needed a sort of mature person to, to do that. Yeah. Anyway, it's good. I li- I, it's an interesting film. Uh, definitely worth tracking down. There are copies available out there. Obviously, we watched it, so it's not impossible. Well, um, I would say uh, it's available here in the States. I don't oh, know okay. about in your territory. It's available here in the States on the streaming service Tubi. T- oh, there you go. T-U-B-Y. If you want to see it, you can see it there. And was that in Italian or dubbed? Uh, I'll be honest. That's not how I watched it. But I'm, I'm going to oh, assume okay. that it is the, it is the English dub. Did, did you see it? Did you Was it dubbed when you watched the version you watched? I watched two different versions. I watched the English dub. Um, and I don't know what that, I don't know where that uh, version of the film came from. And then I also watched an earlier version that had been fan-subbed. Uh, I made the mistake of watching that first, and the the oh, subtitle okay. the subtitle the subtitles were um, a little too fast and furious at times. Oh, and so okay. the English dub came into came in to help me out quite a bit. So that was in Italian though that that version that you saw. Yeah, in a, in oh, Italian okay. with English subtitles. I mean, I was wondering whether the humor part is the version I watched, which was the American dub. I wonder whether it feels a little bit funnier because of the dubbing as well, and maybe if it was in Italian, it would be feel slightly more serious. No, I don't it, know. To my, my impression is it, it felt a little it felt very much the same across either one because and I think probably because it's probably because the the, the humor is built out of the character instead of it being yeah. you know they're not jokes they're they're uh, you know you know quick 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 witted attempts to to maintain a, a particular fiction so they, they came right. across kind of equally to a large degree depending on I mean re- regardless of the dub or the sub so yeah okay. fair enough Right, well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, do go and find this film. Um, it's an interesting one to add to your uh, uh, your list. Yeah, you, you definitely will not be bored for 90 minutes. No, that's for absolutely sure. not. So this is the last Polizioteski film of the season. Um, we, we will have another episode coming soon, a shorter episode, where Rod and I will attempt to rank the 10 films that we have watched and see if we can agree on uh, on some kind of top 10. Uh, order of these films so yeah. do come back for that and then our next season I'm going to put a poll out um, to get some opinions on what our next season should be either that your choices will be between the uh, post-apocalypse films or past apocalypse as I like to call it yes. um, or Fumetti those are the two options we're going to we've spent the last few months down in the gutters of Rome dredging around looking for drug dealers and pimps and child prostitutes i think we need to do something a bit more light-hearted so so either a nuclear apocalypse that's you know always fun or uh fumetti like italian uh films based on comics so those are going to be the two choices i'm going to put it out there and see what people think and then we'll go with either of those so that's the plan for the next season Personally, both I'm of those quite, are interesting choices. I kind of yeah. like like both ideas a lot. Exactly, I'm excited for either, either way. So, I mean, we will do one. We'll do both of those eventually. It's just which one we do first, basically. <laughs> so, um, I'll put a poll on Twitter and uh, other places, mainly Twitter, and we'll see what people say. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening, um, and yeah, come back soon. Bye. Bye, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.